Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Green and Growing. It's the February 27th edition of the show. One weekend closer to spring. Hey, Ashley Frasca here with you. I can't wait. So the programming is kind of changing. You see it evolving over the winter months. We're talking about starting seed indoors and pruning things and houseplants. But now we're finally starting to think about moving outdoors. So a pretty full show for you today. All of the tasks you need to be on top of doing. At the bottom of the hour, Walter Reeves is going to come up with uh, Walter Wonders and what you need to be pruning. And then in the 7 o'clock hour, University of Georgia's Clint Waltz, turf grass specialist, pre-emergence herbicides. I can't wait to have that conversation with him. So many of you have so many questions about preventing weeds in the lawn. And I want you to have your best lawn ever this spring and this summer. This is something you've got to do. But to open the show, I'm very happy to have Dram back with us. They make gardening products that are carried at Pike Nursery and throughout the country. But we had them on last year, and that was such a big hit, kind of featuring maybe what tools you need for spring and what you need to get ready. So I welcome to the show Russell Blackwell. He oversees East Coast Retail for DRAM. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks for getting up early with me. <laughs> I know it's not easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, and like you said, we're kind of getting into that time of the year where it's spring and starting to get some nice weather. So it's good to be up early and, and get the day going. So I did want to let folks know, you know, sometimes, Russell, we're talking more to beginning gardeners on the show and people that are gardening for the first time. And so I just really thought it might be a good idea to kind of break this down for them and let them know how easy it is, just some basic tools that they may need to get started. You know, you start small, small little projects in the lawn or in the landscape, even on the balcony and the patio of apartments and townhomes. You know, there's there's always tools that we need, right? So tell us a little bit about DRAM, though, and how it's a family company based in Wisconsin. Is that right? That's correct. It is. We are based in Wisconsin. Uh, the company was founded almost 80 years ago when uh, John DRAM, who is the grandfather of the current owners, developed the nozzle for watering plants. It's the nozzle you see on most water wands today but what we have trademarked as the water breaker. So the original is what we call the 400 AL. So it is a aluminum water breaker that we, it's the cornerstone of our brand, the cornerstone of our company. It's actually an item that we still make by hand in the U.S. today. Wow. And so what what piece of the wand is that speaking to? Like you said, the, the nozzle where the water actually comes out? Correct, correct. So that would be the uh, the shower head, so to speak, on the uh, what we call our rain wand. It's used by professional growers. You know, when this was originally developed, um, professional growers used this. John Dram noticed that growers needed a better way to water their plants. So it's something that provides a soft shower to the plants. It doesn't disturb the soil, doesn't beat up the plants. The rain wands are really eye-catching, Russell. When you go into Pike Nursery, almost every color imaginable. But how did that become available to just me, the consumer? You know, years ago, the water wands were used, like I said, by professional growers and garden centers. And uh, that was really just provided to the professionals. But customers would go into the garden centers and they would see the garden centers using these water wands to water all of their plants. And then, of course, they wanted to use the tools that the professionals used. So originally, we offered just what we call our classic rain wand. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a, it has the water breaker, the 400 water breaker as the shower head, but it's a plastic version instead of the aluminum. And then you have the tube with a comfortable grip and a plastic shutoff valve. And then we started to add color. We basically all the colors of the rainbow kind of makes that a little uh, more of a personal item when you can select your own color. And that's, that's kind of how the retail side of the business evolved. 
where it started. And then we've evolved from there to where we offer a wide assortment of rain wands with different shutoff valves and different features. Yeah, garden envy for sure, because you go into a nursery or some professional place or even maybe a friend's landscape who has just outdone yours and you think, man, what do they do to keep up with this? And so you think, well, if that tool works for them, it could make my lawn look like this too. So, of course, that, that became you know available to the retail sector and consumers in nurseries such, such as Pike. But talk to me too, uh, you just mentioned, Russell, different grips and things like that. I know some gardeners, if they're dealing with an injury or maybe arthritis or something, let's say, these are pretty versatile for folks to make it comfortable. Yes, we've evolved to where we offer different shutoffs. The the next that we offered beyond that quarter turn shutoff valve was a lever valve. And it's one that gives you a real quick on off, but you, you squeeze that lever to turn it on or, you know, release it to shut it off. And we did recognize that, you know, for people maybe with arthritis, that's not the most comfortable valve for them to use. Mm-hmm. So we developed what we call our one touch. And that actually has a, a thumb actuated lever to turn the water on or shut the flow of the water off. Very easy to use, very comfortable, and gives you uh, flow control as well. So you can open that valve all the way or you can open it halfway. And you all warranty the DRAM products that are sold in Pike Nursery. But, you know, I mentioned to you, like, every everything I do related to Pike, we always want to mention the tree and shrub guarantee, right? Like, I mean, that's how how strongly they feel about their growers and their products that are in the nursery. If you get a tree or a shrub home, and granted you've had it under natural circumstances and maybe it dies in a year or two, Pike is very proud to offer that guarantee. And you guys have something similar that you work with Pike on that protects, you know, the consumer or the customer. We offer what we call a consumer lifetime warranty, where for home use, the products are warranted for life against defects. So if a customer purchases one of the wands from Pike's, and they, they have uh, problems with that, they can simply take it back to the store. Pikes will replace that for them. You made a good point about the, the water wand. You know, with the water wand, it's it's a very flexible tool. Mm-hmm. We have two different lengths, a 16-inch and a 30-inch. 30 30-inch 30 tends to be the most popular because in some cases you may not, like you mentioned, want to get the foliage wet. You may want to water just around the base of the plant or just watering the soil. And you can use that wand, the extension, the reach, just to get right under the plants and go through your flower beds. You know, and when using a wand instead of a sprinkler system or something like that, you have the flexibility to water individual plants, water some plants, not others. And with that wand, you have the ability to selectively go around and apply a certain amount of water to, to each plant or to a certain garden bed. We have a wide assortment of hose end sprinklers and it's anything from, you know, you have some of the very simple, those little three-arm uh, whirling sprinklers, mm-hmm. but there's also uh, oscillating sprinklers. There's a, a turret sprinkler. The turret is something that has nine different patterns, so it's got a little, lot of different uh, shapes and can put out water in a you know a full circle, a half circle. And you also mentioned that it's kind of changing from, from watering to another item, the uh, the cutting tools. Yeah. Oh, gosh, we do, the pruners, We do have, sure. uh, oh, yeah, the Pruners and the pruners are great. We do have a a bypass pruner, which is like a seven and a half eight inch pruner. Um, but the ones that seem to be the most popular are the small, what we call our compact pruner and compact shear, and they they fit very well. well like I say, they fit very well in a lady's hand and in smaller hands. They're they're designed for that. But the uh, the compact shear is something that can be used for for as a floral snip 
or something for just deadheading trimming flowers. But the compact pruner has a quarter-inch cutting capacity, which is something that's good for small stems or, or roses. And I'm also enjoying I have a garden tote, but sometimes I walk away from it. You know, if you're going down the walk, you know, pruning shrub by shrub by shrub, and then, of course, you notice you're 20 feet away from your garden tote, you got to walk back down <laughs> and get it. So I have used the apron, the Colorware Garden Apron, and that's way more handy to just keep everything that you need right there. That is a great tool because that apron, it's, and it's kind of like a, like if you noticed a half apron, not a full apron, but the pockets in there are mesh. So there's two side pockets that you can put your tools in and that, that mesh allows them to dry out if they're wet. There's a little leather strip along the bottom of that pocket. So if you have something like the compact shear, it won't poke a hole through that pocket. But the really neat feature there is the center pocket which is zippered on either side. So you're putting debris in those pockets. And instead of having to take the apron off, you just simply unzip those pockets and dump the debris out. That is so cool. That is so cool. All right. So I'm with Russell Blackwell here from DRAM. And one more thing I wanted you to share with everybody. I wanted to kind of get garden basics, you know, tools that we need to start off. So everything you need to water, whether you have a container garden or outside the hoses and the rain wand going to make it a lot easier for you. Um, Aprons, things like that, garden apparel, but also the line of fertilizers. So Russell, really quickly tell me what fertilizers we're looking at and what we would use them on. The fertilizer that we produce can be used on anything. It's, It's really great for vegetables and herbs, but The fertilizer can be used on any crop, and it is a liquid organic fertilizer. We make that from whole fish scraps, and, you know, the primary difference between the type of fertilizer that we produce and some of the other fertilizers on the market, when you're looking at these fertilizers that are that are fish fertilizers, you know, the the base of that product is fish, Mm -hmm. there's there's two different types. There's a emulsion and a hydrolysate. And the emulsions are the ones that you you see those in a a lot of the big box stores. But with an emulsion, the process that they use is more of a heat process when they when they kind of they take that whole fish and start to digest that fish and grind the fish and make it into a into a liquid. With that heat process, a lot of your your proteins and, and oils and things of that nature are extracted out of that. So when you have a hydrolysate in the production process, it's a cool process. So you end up with a higher protein content. Um, Because with these fertilizers, with these uh, liquid organic fertilizers, we're really feeding the soil. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is trying to create an environment in that soil where, where we're feeding that soil and it's a healthy environment for the plant. And with the hydrolysate, you're going to have more proteins in that soil. And organic is so important to so many of my listeners, Russell, you know, especially, I mean, and you see on the container right there, pictures of vegetables, which, and and it's OMRI certified. So, you know, right there, looking at the DRAM packaging, that that is safe for use on your vegetable garden. Correct. Correct. And like I said, it's, it's really about feeding the soil. Well, Russell, please let us know if folks are interested and maybe they're not making it out yet. They're not going out to Pike Nursery. They're certainly welcome to go on pikenursery.com. But how do we find you guys online? Dram.com, D-R-A-M-M.com. And when you get to the home page, there's a couple of buttons there, one for the commercial product, uh, one for the, uh, the fish product line, and then one for the consumer product line. And once you go to that consumer product line, you'll be on the retail home page. 
So you can go through the products tab and see all of the items that we offer through retail garden centers. And we're not available in the big box. This is exclusive stuff, but great stuff. I've been using it for years. And and like I'm saying, guys, the colors, whether you're looking at the rain wand or the pruners and shears and things like that, like the colors are just so much fun. And it's bright for spring. We're getting excited about being outside. So, Russell, I really appreciate that you took the time to be on the show and educated folks a little bit more. Uh, so I think they're pretty equipped to handle what's coming up in spring. Thank you. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. I really enjoy being here with you guys on a Saturday morning. Good morning. It's 635. Really appreciate you waking up uh, with WSB. I'm not sure how you do. If you listen to the radio, maybe you have our WSB radio app open on your phone and you're laying in bed or... I don't know, maybe you're using a smart speaker. There are so many ways to listen or on the website, wsbradio.com. But we appreciate you being here. I hope you want to join in the conversation. You don't have to call with a garden question necessarily, just something that you want to share as well. 404-872-0750. Last weekend, talking a lot about Arbor Day. Georgia's Arbor Day was a week from yesterday. Um, And I was really glad that Seth Hawkins from the Georgia Forestry Commission came on to tell us a little bit about that. And so he took the place of Walter Reeves. But uh, our beloved host of the Lawn and Garden Show, Walter Reeves, he's back with me. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. And he's back another Saturday morning on Green and Growing. Walter Reeves joins me for the segment named for him, Walter Wonders. Hey, good morning. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. <laughs> As that voice says, the OG gardener. What do we figure that was old gangster or? Old gangster, old gardener, old dude. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Well, I love bringing you back because you know so much. And we can cover such a variety of topics. Um, and your website, WalterReeves.com, is like a nationally known encyclopedia for almost every plant that you've ever uttered out of your mouth. There is something you've written on it. This Saturday, we kind of want to focus on ornamental grasses. Um, I listened to a fantastic podcast a couple of months back where Joe Lample had a guest on from, I think, like the northwest part of the country. An interesting discussion on how that's really an underutilized landscaping tool, really. Folks I don't know if they're just after the flowers or we're just used to throwing in a, a bush or a shrub, but ornamental yeah. grasses can really create just a completely yeah. different, unique look in your yard. And there are a lot of them. Three that I think most people use are pampas grass. A lot of people are familiar with the big clumps of pampas grass or pampas grass. There's fountain grass or maiden grass is another name for the same plant. Two or three varieties of that. There's muley grass, which I love the color, the pink color of pink yes. muley and white muley grass in the wintertime. is just gorgeous. Those are the main ones I see, I think, in Atlanta. Pampas grass, let's start with that because that seems to be pretty okay. common. And then once people have it for so many years, they, they change their mind and they decide they want to take it out and that's next to impossible. But um, <laughs> it's just that wispy green grass grows pretty tall, grows pretty wide with these almost like wheat or oat looking, you know, beige, off-white, feathery tips at the tops, right? Yeah. They can be pretty big, too. Six inches wide, 15, 16 inches tall. They're pretty distinctive in the fall. That's where I see it mostly. It's the white, feathery plumes. 
is when I notice the pampas grass. The rest, the rest of the year, not so much. But one of the things I have to remember about all ornamental grasses, pampas grass and others I mentioned, is it has to have pruning done to them every winter. Mm-hmm. Every winter, you need to cut that clump down to about, depending on the size of the grass, 6 to 15 maybe inches high. Wow. If you don't do that, the clump will get real unruly. It'll get hollow in the middle, right in the middle, and that's not what you want. So it's important to prune them back. If you want me to, I'll talk, talk about my pompous grass pruning techniques first, if you want to do that. Yeah, absolutely, because that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's so big. It's so tall. And the leaves of pompous grass are very sharp, like a saw blade. So it has to wear long sleeve uh, shirts and pants, of course. And the way that I do it is I get a rope. It's long enough to go all the way around the clump, raise it up about four feet, and cinch it up real tight to hold the the plumes and the blades and everything above me so that I can saw at the bottom without getting them in my face and eyes. And once I've cinched it up tight with a belt or a rope, then I can use, I've used a chainsaw before, I've used electric shrub trimmers, or one day, one year I used a machete, ah. and just hacked it back till I got the clump about, again, for pompous grass, about 15 or 16 inches high. And then with a gloved hand, reach down in the middle of the clump and pull out all the rotted leaves, rotted stems, and things like that. Again, that keeps it from getting round and circular rather than being a clump. It'll be round like a donut. And that's not what you want your ornamental grasses to look like. So I go in with a gloved hand again for pompous grass and pull out all the rotted stuff in the middle so it just re-sprout in the middle. Wow. So that's that's going to take a little bit. That's going to be a little bit of a chore. And then you're just kind of left with this almost, yeah, like stump of brownish yeah, what's stems, left of yeah. the stems. Yeah. The best time to do it, of course, is January, February, maybe early March. If you wait much longer than early March, you'll see new green growth that's coming up on the plant. And you don't want to cut that off. So that's why you try to get the pruning done before early March. Get the, everything cut down. And one thing I must put a note in here, do not burn it. Oh, gosh, no. no with too many fires have gotten out of hand from people burning things they didn't know what they were doing. It doesn't help to burn the fountain grass. It doesn't do any good, and it really exposes you to danger. So don't burn the fountain grass. Prune it down with tools or trimmer or machete or whatever you got, but don't burn it. This is pampas grass, which has more yeah. of that upside-down, conical-type-shaped uh, plume coming up at the top. Yeah. Next, we talked about maiden grass. Uh, maiden grass is a little more wispy, a little more whimsical. Still that yeah. same color, that off-white or cream or beige type feathery tips, but they're almost more like brush-like or tassel-like, aren't they? Yeah, there's uh, variegated uh, maiden grass, two or three varieties of different colors of the of the green. Some are more purple than they are green. They like pampas grass. They have to be pruned down too. But the clump for them, I would prune it down to about six or eight inches. And that's about the right, I think, height for a maiden grass uh, clump to be pruned down too. It again can be sort of sharp, not quite as sharp on the leaves as the pompous grass is. So be careful, but you don't have to be as vigilant as you do with pompous grass. But cut it down again every winter between uh, January, February, early March. So just a low maintenance perennial, just a really pretty wispy gla- uh, grass yeah. that can be paired with something colorful around it. If you think sure. about it, that would really be nice. I love the sight of frost on those seed pots, seed plumes, I guess you call it, on maiden grass. It is so pretty to see frost on that in the wintertime, white frosty particles on the seed head. That's just lovely. Yeah, and you're looking for something deer resistant, they won't touch it. Yeah, yeah, they don't eat that. (laughs) No, they don't like it at all. Now, when I've heard the term fountain grass, does that fall into this category? 
Yep, same stuff. Found grass, made grass, same thing. Okay, very nice. And then my favorite, and you said your favorite too, pink muley grass is the oh, prettiest. I mean, it makes me think of think of like unicorns and things like that because it's just so <laughs> pretty. And I want it. I want it in my front yard, and I haven't redesigned my front yard yet. But that was like number three on my list of of must haves was pink muley grass. M U H L Y is the way to spell it. So if people know what it means or how to find it at the, at the garden center, muley grass color in the fall is pink. It is so beautiful in the fall, particularly when sunlight goes through it. Oh man, it makes a heartbeat. And there's also now a white variety too. And so the white stuff, same thing. The light coming through it just makes it glow in the landscape. Such a great looking grass. So what's the maintenance for that? Because it doesn't seem, does it grow as tall as pampas grass and maiden grass? No, it's smaller, but same deal. It has to be cut down in the spring or in the winter, I should say. So what would be the advantages of doing these ornamental grasses in place of shrubs? Or is it just a matter of taste? Hardly any maintenance other than the pruning is needed. They don't even much like to be fertilized. Grasses scavenge enough nutrients out of the ground around, so you don't have to fertilize them very much. Water, they're very drought tolerant, so they don't need to water them during the summertime. I just think they're pretty. They're different from the vertical accent of the leaves. is a real contrast to the broad green leaves and other things around it and the nice background for colorful things like annuals and perennials in the garden. It's a great plant. Grasses are an eye-catching difference for your your eyeballs to see when you're looking around the landscape. And they're tough, too. So you said... um, You don't kill them. You hardly kill them. If you try to... You you mentioned earlier that trying to get rid of a clump of pompous grass was almost impossible. And you're right. The root system of those things is so tough and so embedded in the soil, you can hardly (laughs) ever get a shovel in through it to dig it up and get rid of it. And so if you just decide you have to do it, I do it in sections. I try to cut it in sections of half, quarter, sixteenths even sometimes to try to get the grass out. Trying to dig one clump of pompous grass is almost impossible. Yeah, that makes me think back to uh, about a month ago, you and I talked about privet and how when you were a kid, your dad would hand you that chain and you tie the chain <laughs> yeah. around the privet and just pull it out as he you know, pulled forward with the pickup truck. Like I've literally seen a neighbor do just that, trying to pull a stump of pampas grass out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not fun, not fun. So uh, good conditions for these. They can, like you said, they're pretty da- drought tolerant, so they can go in a little bit drier, maybe a little yeah. rockier type soil. Um, but also full sun, right? They, they're yeah, fine full with that. Sun. They love full sun. They don't want to be in any place that's damp or that's shady or anything like that. Grasses all love full sun. And check the uh, the label before you pick one up from Pike Nursery or, or anywhere, really. But uh, most are cold tolerant, cold hardy. Um, and yeah. remember, we're in Zone 7, maybe 8 in North North Georgia. But they're they're just fine for our area. There's a red leaf Tennessee uh, fountain grass that does not tolerate cold here. It's a beautiful plant in the summer and the fall. But again, like you said, read the label, find out whether it's an annual or a perennial. Most are perennial, but there are a couple of grasses that are just annuals. Oh, okay. So that'd be good to know the difference and research that for sure. All right. Well, pampas yeah. grass, maiden grass, and muley grass are definitely three of the ornamental grasses you want to check out if you want to provide a little bit of uniqueness. Difference. Yeah, different uniqueness. to your landscape. Yeah, unique. I like that. Uniqueness. Yeah. Different texture. And then yeah. the neighbors will start to follow. They'll be like, oh my gosh, what is that? What do you have? And before right. you know it, you've set a trend. 
Well, I guess that's yeah. what they're all trying to do, try to be better than the neighbors. <laughs> try to trend for the neighborhood. Keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, jeez, those yeah, yeah. Joneses. <laughs> all right. Well, Walter, thank you so much for that. Some good information, a plant that I think is underutilized and not talked about very much. That was a fun one. So we'll look forward to talking to you next Saturday. Looking forward to it, too. See you then. Take care. A lot of those grasses really are worth Googling so you can at least see which ones we're talking about. But that's definitely a good consideration. Maybe you're just frustrated with turf grass and you're not having any success or you've got just a shaded area that uh, turf grass is just not going to take. So uh, thank you, Walter. That was was a great conversation. 404-872-0750. Up first, Wayne calling from Rex. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Two questions. Oh, yeah. Uh... A snake repellent. I killed a copperhead about three weeks ago. Ew, that's scary. Yeah, I know. It's not it's not time of the year for them to be out. They used to hibernate in this time of the year. Yep. But this is in a an old, old, old cemetery, about 250 years old. Uh, and I I had the cem the cemetery is in the woods. And I had some people down there cleaning the cemetery, getting all the underbrush and getting all the limbs and all the dead trees and whatever needed can be removed to remove it. I want to make it look like a. Uh, I want to make it look like. Uh, well, don't nobody live there, but I want to make it look presentable. Yeah, about, that's about, nice. about sixty graves in there. Wow. And. Uh, they, I think, I think what happened to the copperhead. I think he was scared by the lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, or the power, uh, power, the uh, power, not the power snake, but the uh, the saw. Saw okay. uh, might have been because yeah. they were using you know, everything back there. I mean, humans definitely startle snakes, so that's a good thing. Usually, they don't come running towards us; they go running away from us. I do want to note: I know a copperhead is venomous, but I just want to remind people: all non-venomous snakes—they are protected in Georgia. Technically, it's illegal to kill or harm them. But yeah, copperhead, terrifying, venomous, all of that. So, Wayne, really, in an open area like you've got with the cemetery, it's hard to remove some of the habitats that they like. But when there is an attractive habitat, places they can hide, places that are dark, that's where they're going to be attracted to. So around our houses, we think of maybe firewood, stacks of leaves, stones, lumber. My husband and I are famous for having just old pieces of wood uh, you know, up under the back deck, and they're going to love to hide out there and also just waiting for their prey, right? Waiting for a chipmunk or a mouse or a rat to run by so they can eat. So um, my advice to you just to remove anything like that, I'm guessing in an open cemetery like that, maybe just piles of leaves or I don't know, maybe piles of, you know, dead branches and things where they were hiding out. But uh, that is that is startling. It is. It seems a little early for them. Wayne, if you had a second question, let me grab it off the air because it's time to take a break and check traffic and weather and all of that. And we'll be back to Green and Growing on WSB. So I made a clever typo on my Twitter account without even realizing it today. Um, I said, good morning. I planned to get a lot done in the yard this weekend. Ha, I really didn't even do that on purpose. I planned to get a lot done in the yard this weekend. I hate when I make typos and I can't go back and fix it. Um, so I'm going to organize the workbench. I think that's where I need to start so I don't get overwhelmed. Kind of take an inventory of my tools, what all I've got, sharpen the pruners and all that kind of thing. So if there's something that you're planning and doing, 
uh, share it with us, 404-872-0750 to call Green and Growing. But to let you know, if you do plan on working in the uh, in the lawn or in the yard today or tomorrow, weather's going to be very similar. Highs in the low to mid-70s, lows only dropping down to about 58, 59 around metro Atlanta, and mostly cloudy. So it's going to be warm, but at least it's going to be a little overcast for you. Chance of rain returns on Monday right now, 70% chance for rain. So don't even bother washing your car. Just put it off another couple of days like I have. Um, A lot to get done, though, right now. You've noticed my top three things that I've talked about over the course of maybe a month at least one of those tasks has always involved uh, pruning, right? So in just a few minutes, once we take a break from the news, we're going to talk to Chris and Canton talking about pruning a pear tree. And uh, my friend Terry was just pruning his the other day and sent me some funny pictures of being up in the tree. So yeah, it's the time to do that. And also too, uh, to prune camellias. That was that was one of my things that I'm going to focus on when they're done blooming. So the... Um, the Sasanqua are already done. They bloomed like October, November. Japonica, those may still be going and even still have buds on them too, so you're not going to cut those yet. But Sasanqua anyways, once they're done blooming, give them a light pruning. You can fertilize them as well with kind of the same fertilizer like Dr. Earth that, that is used on azalea, camellia, and rhododendrons because they all kind of like that acid, acid-loving fertilizer. Um, the most important reason to prune camellias is just to improve the overall health of the plant, you know, removing dead parts or where maybe vines are coming into them or anything like that and also to redefine the shape so that's important too uh so we'll be back to talk to chris and canton and marlin calling from saint simon's island looking for indigo spires we'll talk about what that is next on green and growing you're listening to 95.5 wsb this is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.